Welcome to another episode of Management Muse. I'm your host, Cindy Bali, and this is my husband and co-host, Jeffrey Tumlin. Yellow. Welcome to the podcast where we try to inspire better work performance. Thanks for listening. And I am your co-host, and this is my, I'm your host, and this is my co-host, Yellow, Jeffrey Tumlin, and we're going to talk about the garbage can model today. Yep. So, right. I'm just going to give a, a, just a quick yeah, sure. overview of, of sort of, yeah. actually, I took a little piece out of the article because it just, they describe an organization as a collection of choices looking for problems, problems issues and feelings, looking for decision situations in which they might be aired, and solutions, looking for issues in which they might be the answer, and decision makers looking for work. So you can see how like <laughs> I might be a little bit like insulted with this <laughs> since yep. like all my degrees are management. That's right. Garbage can <laughs> model. But you know, like they say in the article that you know, when they were writing this, they were really thinking about universities and universities are really, you know, complex collections of individuals really with a lot of specialization and they're not cohesive goals across the organization, across the university and, um, you know, technology is unclear. And, and they say that that is the breeding ground for this kind of decision-making model versus like a decision-making model where like you have a choice opportunity and like you generate the options, you evaluate the consequences of those options. And then, you know, you make a, a decision, which all assumes, you know, not a lot of ambig ambiguity and um, that, uh, you know, it's kind of a straightforward decision-making process, which we don't really find in most organizations. There's just a ton of ambiguity. Um, we hope that more organizations have or most organizations have a more clear goal that is shared, but that varies too. So yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's garbage can mess, mm -hmm. but we like it because this article from many years ago is very helpful. It's older when, than me. Yeah, it's it's. I was born just before this one came out, uh, so it's in between us. It's me article you. And it, uh, it's a good way for helping us remember a few things about organizational change. And so when I explain the model to people, I say basically, look, what if instead of, as you, as you know, Cindy just described it, she said, look, we, we like to think of organizations as these optimized decision-making mechanisms, but what if they're more often basically a collection of people torn in many different directions trying to do the best they can in the spare time that they have in the limited time that they've got to devote to issue a or b or c that comes up before them and one of the nicest things about it is for me number one it actually describes the way things often work and number two it's a great reminder of why we shouldn't take things so personally in organizations. I think that's what I like best about it too. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're in the work that uh, Cindy and I do, we're constantly bombarded with people who 
are hurt that their idea, project, initiative, or problem, problem, it, it, they feel like it just gets dropped or not heard. Right. And this is the explanation for why that is. Right. Yeah, because it's just, it's more than just the time isn't right. It's that the organization has a extremely finite amount of bandwidth, to use a current term, that they would not have used in 1972. But time, attention, and ability to pull together people to contemplate issues. And so whatever you may be feeling is the most relevant thing at the moment is a great chance that that's not what anybody else thinks. And you have to, you, I like the garbage can because everybody has an image in their head of a garbage can and there's all kinds of stuff in there. There's a nasty fish, there's a rotten fruit, there's a dirty diaper. And if your thing is, I think we have to fix this dirty diaper, then you have to be willing to go into the garbage can, pick up the diaper and hold it over your head and in a way be the champion for, so these kind of two things that don't always sit together, sit together very well in this theory. Number one, you shouldn't take things personally in an organization when what you think is important or what you feel is the next course of action isn't, not only is it not taken, but it's not even really up for discussion. And number two, if you're convinced that something is vital, then you've got to kind of dive into the trash can. And, and champion it. Yeah. And Absent a champion. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Very difficult to see. Right. And I mean, you can see how as you get lower in an organization, the harder it, the harder it is to actually have your problems resolved because you basically have to champion it, but you know, you don't have access to a lot of the people who would actually give you the resources to champion it. And so at the lower end, you know, you really have to be able to sort of like build a coalition, you know, go up the chain like there's still a lot of work that basically you have to do if you decide that it's it's really important, but it's a much longer, harder process because you're just that much further away from the actual decision makers who could actually deploy resources to solve the problem. Right, yeah, that's the bad news. Yeah. The good news is in a trash can, almost anything's up for discussion at a certain particular point in time. And so there is a benefit of in a place where the decisions aren't intentional and precisely timed, stuff just comes up, there's a chance that your issue, if you go back to the dirty diaper analogy, if you're championing the dirty diaper and you can't get any traction, maybe you're not connected to enough of the folks with the resources or maybe it's just the time isn't, isn't advantageous, things change all the time. And the forces may array themselves to where your particular time, your issue comes back up. We were Our topic is organizational change. And we just happened to pull out a paper from the crazy disco 70s that is very helpful to have in your head. Organizations are less like computers optimizing things precisely and more like a dirty trash can. Well, as they call it, chaos. They're actually systems of chaos. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's 
it's a mess. And you can spend all your time trying to make the mess a little less messy, or you can, I mean, I'm probably oversimplifying, but a large part of the trash can idea, the model, is when you put a lot of people together, it's often going to be a mess. Some types of organizations are a little messier than others, but in general, it's instructive to think about the mess sometimes and to make our choices about how we interact with the organization when we're trying to do something like change it for the better from the framework of this is a mess, how can I best have a chance of influencing the mess rather than if this organization was like an optimizing computer, all I would have to do is A and B and C and then D and E and F would happen. And so COVID as an example is what I might call it COVID in a way kind of kicked over the trash can and a lot of stuff spilled out mm-hmm. maybe is one way of looking at it. I think also some new problems were generated and because of it, they had to very quickly find some, you know, solutions that sure. may not have really been circulating. I mean, like, especially like the work at home or remote yeah, yeah, work, yeah, yeah. you know, like everybody's been aware of it, but you know, there wasn't really any interest in running any type of experiment with it in most organizations. And then COVID happened and, you know, well, here's this thing, this, this thing that everybody's been talking about for decades now, and we're going to apply it to this, this problem of everybody potentially being contagious and that we need to protect our employees. Often organizational change goes slowly. It's like the old quote, about how do you go bankrupt slowly, slowly, slowly. And then all at once. And then all at once. And every now and then, something external or internal may kick the trash can over. And then all kinds of stuff that would have been off the, you know, it's just off the reservation, off the radar, is not possible, not practical, too far, too hard, becomes you know, beyond possible imperative in some cases. I, I do find that interesting from the, the perspective of this article, because, you know, they talk about how, you know, basically you need, you need the people in the organization to have the energy to do this, to pick up the stuff and that the busier they get, the less likely they are to pick up the stuff. And like when we, you know, with the organizations that we're in, in the last two years, you know, COVID has made them very busy, oftentimes understaffed. And yet they've been able, you know, to, to make these, some pretty big changes than to drive them through. And it, that seems like it would be really inconsistent, except that I think that they had to, or else they weren't going to survive. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, we talk about this sometimes. I sometimes have a theory of America that we're underestimated because things haven't been that hard. (laughs) That, Mm. you know, America, it's 
maybe it's a stretch, but you know, in a one way of thinking about America is that uh, it's often when we're pushed or stretched that we see what's possible, whether we're talking about America or a nine-year-old or a 50-year-old, right? That, that kind of stretch. Necessity is the mother of invention. Sure. Yeah, it can be, right? It can also uh, blow up, right? Yeah, it can be hmm. if there's slack in the system. Well, that's, so, I think that's one of my lessons maybe from this is that like, it was always possible. Right. Yeah, for sure. Like the tele, like the work from home stuff, or just more yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, the telemedicine, all, all, all stuff. Stuff yeah, all the yeah, stuff yeah, that yeah. we've known for sure, a long right. time was always yeah, yeah, yeah. possible. And trash can. Apparently, it would have even been potentially beneficial. Yeah, yeah, right. And but right. we didn't. We didn't really want to do it. No, it's all in the trash can. Yeah, until COVID. Yeah. It was all inside. That's the thing about the trash can. It's all in there, or a lot of stuff is in there. But you're busy. Running a company, running a life, and yeah, you know, and it's it's not always easy to optimize a company or your life when you're busy, right? And so when you're forced to a halt, and then having to pick up the pieces, then I guess maybe you think a little differently. When they talk about the trash can model, it's a set of problems in the trash can, and then you have these choice opportunities and. You know, you might take one problem and apply it to multiple choice opportunities and it may fail a lot. Like this is not really an efficient decision making process, but it it is, you know, a feasible one where there's there's ambiguity in terms of the technology and ambiguity in terms of the goals. So. I'm not sure that there's a model out there that's more efficient. A lot of organizations will try to take sort of that classical model that I'd mentioned earlier and try to apply it to those situations. But, you know, even that's still running an experiment. You know, you're, you're taking a, a solution, you're throwing it up against a problem, and then you're checking to see if it actually worked. And if it didn't, then you fail and you try again. And, and in many respects, that's sliding into garbage can. Yeah. I, I thought I was thinking when I was rereading this article too, you know, that he talks about or they talk about the um, uh, lack of clarity on the technology and just going back to COVID, you know, I, I do think that that is maybe one reason why we had to have the external shock for some of these things like telemedicine, um, like QR codes, you know, with the menus. Um, is because, you know, up until COVID, we didn't have something that changed the environment, that helped push people in the environment to understanding different ways to use their technology. And then once you have the masses actually understanding how to use that technology, then you can do things like telemedicine and QR codes for restaurants because, you know, it's, it's too much for one organization to have to train their customers or their patients on how to use that technology. It has to be coming from, I think, society in general, and then, and then they can take advantage of it. Hello, management musers. Today, I wanna to tell you a little something about our coaching products. If Lady Gaga and LeBron James 
both have coaches? Why shouldn't you? We offer a variety of packages, all the way from a 12-session package aimed to help you build your management muscle to a two-session package aimed to help you think through sticky issues and provide you with a second opinion. All our coaches have doctorates in the social sciences and years of real-world experience in business. So stop questioning yourself and pull the trigger. You're worth it. For more information, contact us at culture.com. That's C-U-L-S-U-R-E.com. So in a sense, it's very much like, you know, when I think about the inconsistencies between what this, this article and what happened with COVID, I can also see that one of the things that they said was that, you know, technology, that the lack of clarity on the technology was, was really where this kind of model flourishes but COVID actually helped reduce some of that. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a interesting dilemma because as consultants, we're in organizations all the time where the trash can model fits. Yeah. And our job in part is to try to help senior leaders specifically in organizations more generally to make better decisions. And so I know I have a couple things that I sometimes do when I'm working with uh, different companies to try to not make their trash can more like a computer, which I think is not possible, but to try to help make the trash can, uh, have a slightly higher success rate of actually solving the right kinds of problems or the bigger problems that are facing the organization. And so what are, but I'm interested in your thoughts. What are some of the things that you do when, when you're in a company and you feel like, okay, I, yep, it's trash can decisions are made, uh, not, you know, somewhat sporadically, uh, by a rotating cast of decision. It's not so much a rotating cast of decision makers, but that the decisions come up at all different times that you can't predict in all different circumstances. How do you try to take what you know from not only uh, this article and this kind of line of research, but from your own experiences and try to help organizations where you can make better decisions? Well, you know, I think that, you know, I try to get away from too much of the, the, the group think, and I say that term loosely, you know, just, just like the pressures that happen when people are inside groups where, you know, a lot of individuals will have ideas that never get voiced but they won't because they're in a group and as the group is talking about things and as an idea gets momentum like they start to feel more and more insecure about how maybe they were thinking about it differently right to go with the group to go to go with the group i mean it's really safer right like you don't you're you're electing out of being vulnerable by expressing your unique idea even though if you expressed it it's possible that 
other people in the room might have been thinking it right. or they might get excited about it. Could be consensus around that. Yeah, there could be consensus around that. But it's, but as soon as there's sort of this momentum that happens with a particular idea, you you basically nobody in the room is going to be like, hey, <laughs> I have an idea that's yeah. different. Right. Because it's like putting the, the brakes on. And so I think it's really important whenever you're collecting a group of people to come up with ideas, you know, to first get them to get their own ideas down. And, and then, you know, as the person facilitating it, you, you, you're putting all those ideas up. Yeah, sure. And, and then, you know, you might even break them into groups because people are like deers with headlights when they have to think about a problem on their own. But once they start just talking to like one person, then they may generate even more ideas. Yeah. And, and so you kind of start building up that way. You know, you don't have to do it like, you know, oh, pair off and then triple off. But like, you know, you might pair them off or um, triple them off and then, and then bring it into the whole group to talk about. Uh, and, and, and then you have all the ideas up there and then you have to protect the group members. You have to protect them from that vulnerability that they're so afraid of. And so it's never about which ones we're going to discard, which ironically is what people want to do because they want to simplify the list. It's more a discussion about, okay, let's, let's take a vote. What are your top three? And you give them all a point, every, you know, each one sure. that gets a vote. Yeah. And then you literally take the top three and then you start, you break them into teams and start developing it. You know, it's interesting now where, as we're having this conversation, companies are trying to think through, well, what are we going to do post COVID? We're right. largely back. And so. Right. Because there right. are some, there are some real benefits to having employees in one area, you sure. know, like, like I just said, you know, if you are presented with a problem, I mean, you know, teaching classes has taught us this. You know, you present a question to a class and like it's 50 students looking at you like, I don't know, like, like cows in the field. Like, like there's like, yeah, they're sure. like, <laughs> there's nothing there. It's what my chemistry teacher used to say is the bovine look. And, um, but you take that same question and those same students and you allow them to get into small groups and yeah. all of a sudden it's like this magic that happens and that's what these companies are fighting for because the work at home, first of all, it's really hard to start a new organization where you're working from home because you don't, the organization is going to just have to do a better job of having bonding events. Right. But there's, there's also like, you know, you're going to have a, have to have a good system for, uh, for social learning, you know, like, um, my sister works for an organization. She's working remotely and has been before COVID So this is, this company, I think, actually has a pretty good system in place but you know like immediately they 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 brought them in for orientation they met sort of their cohort their she communicates with her cohort members you know if they have a problem or she has a problem they're on the phone with each other they have assigned mentors you know they know the tech guy because it's always a tech problem that really brings them under um, and so, you know, if you're going to go that way, you have to do more things and they have like really, I mean, obviously COVID put a damper on it, but it's, it sounds like they have really nice functions where they all get together periodically. And so, you know, an organization has to make that decision that they're going to do that for the bonding component, but there's also this component that is about creativity and, 
uh, just those spontaneous conversations and connections. And, and like, you know, I think about Google and um, some of the case studies I've seen on Google. And like literally they tried to set it up where there was no reason to leave campus. And they wanted you mixing with people outside of your department, which is why they have volleyball nets and, and games and, you know, seven kinds of re restaurants in the cafeteria. And, you know, like all these opportunities where you're not just always with the same handful of people over and over again, because they know if they get you to cross boundaries that, and develop relationships, then you might be sitting at lunch at one of the seven cafes. And I'm, I'm just guessing seven. I remember it was a lot. And uh, you might be in a mixed group having a conversation and boom, you come up with a solution that wouldn't have happened without all of that. And so, so I feel for them because I get why people don't want to pay to live in Silicon Valley and in San Francisco and New York. I get why they don't want to. Um, but I also get the argument of those organizations that's like, you know, we need people around to have conversations. Every time I'm tempted to think, if I just frame up the issue just right and get the right people together and find the right persuasive lines of to address this, that we're all going to make the right decision. Things are going to be great. It, it, not that those things aren't important, but that's not how it works. Well, I think that one of the challenges would change, and I think this goes with the garbage can model, is everybody already has a full-time job. Yeah. And, and if you really want the change to happen, then you have to bring in the resources to free up the people to actually be able to implement and put the change, learn whatever they gotta learn, but I mean, so often we've seen, there's nothing wrong with it. The people are on board, you know, the thought process is good. It makes sense. You know, everybody wants it, but then nothing happens because everybody already has a full-time job. Yeah. You know, you have to make the room for the person. You either have to bring in the services or, take responsibility off their plate for them to be able to do the things that they need to do to actually make the changes. Yeah. And too much, too much of the time, in my opinion, that isn't actually really a consideration because it's just like, keep, you know, everybody at the top of these organizations, like keep piling on, keep piling on. You really, at some level, you can't keep piling on. I understand not wanting, because I think this is one of the reasons why they do it. I understand the reluctance to bring on new people. Right. It's a it's a commitment, and yeah. you don't want to fail at that commitment. I get that. Bringing contractors for those things that need the help, so and, and you know, so it's just a temporary job, and you know it's temporary, and it's set up to be temporary, but it's to actually take some of the burden off these people, so that way they can do what they need to do. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a good reminder. It's almost suggests that one of the challenges is because people are busy and in some cases potentially too busy they won't be able to reach into the trash can and champion something mm -hmm. and so you end up with a lot of things swirling in the trash can that aren't addressed 
just because there's nobody who feels like they've got the capacity to say, I'll, I'll take this on and I'll kind of run it through. And so then, you know, you have, if you keep the trash can metaphor, then you have the cases where either something happens and the trash can gets knocked over and you're like, oh my God, I didn't realize all this stuff was in here. Or somebody external, you know, it depends. It could be somebody on the board. It could be some kind of audit or reaches in, pulls the lid off and is like, oh my goodness, look at all this stuff in the trash can. And you're then have to kind of stop what you're doing and uh, address it. And you're doing it from a more reactive, possibly more defensive posture where you weren't able to kind of call your shots on the order and the priority. And so it's a, it's a limitation. Hello, management users. Today, I want to talk to you about executive team building. Our executive team building products help open the lines of communication so you and your core leadership team can smartly talk and think through thorny issues. We offer multi-session packages aimed to open up the minds and the mouths of those around you. So email or call us today at ondemandleadership.com. You know, I'm just thinking back to a lot of the strategic discussions we have in organizations. And one of the one of the biggest challenges that we face whenever we're part of a strategic planning or a strategy session is that you know, strategy is looking out multiple years, but we're almost always in a room with people who've got a list of stuff they want to do today and stuff they want to get done this week. It's a, it's relates back to what we were talking about earlier with like finding solutions. You know, you start in the organization and the competitors and out. It's the same thing with time, right? Like yeah. the easiest, thing that you know with the most certainty are the problems today and then as you go out a year you might have a little bit of a sense and then two years you have even less of a sense and so it's just that distance in terms of time yeah means that you just don't have as much certainty yeah 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 it's and so you come back in to the closer in stuff Mm -hmm. rather than have to i mean there of course exam or uh exceptions to this yeah people some people who, are very good at that yeah living with that but that's not usually what happens when you're gathering five 15 25 people in a room and having a strategy discussion is usually you've got a room full of achievers and after three hours of indulging in thought exercises they want to see crap on paper and you know and they want stuff that can be right knocked off the list right. in relative right. near term all right uh, so where's this strategy we've been yeah. we've done these two exercises we're three hours in it's almost 11 a.m you know right. and you're like let's knock this out before lunch right let's get this done before lunch we can you know get back to our email and i mean i'm exaggerating but that very real i think that kind of reminder for some of the things that we're trying to do. A lot of the things in organizations are 
very complicated and they defy I mean basically and this is a simplification all the easy stuff people have already done and mm-hmm. they did it one on one one to two in or a, they made the decision that they weren't going to do it because there was some trade off yeah yeah so I, the easy stuff's off the table so anytime you're actually gathering a group of people it's hard you're it's you're you're there to do something hard, whether that's creative hard or whether that's problem solving hard. And in general, we have to try to resist the urge to go with the first thing that we come up with. So would, so you put me on the spot earlier, so I'm putting you on the spot sure, now. Sure, my pleasure. It's a fun little game. <laughs> um, so what do you... Until it isn't. <laughs> until it isn't. Right. What, what do you do to try to move a group from just talking about their immediate problems or yeah. their immediate goals? Yeah. So any kind of context shifting exercise, right? And so it could be as simple as shifting the context out from here's what we've got today or these are the things that we want to do today. Now let's put that aside and we'll come back to that. Because if they want to talk about the daily stuff or the daily problems, like, you know, stick with this strategy. I'll answer it. I'll answer your question in terms of strategy. So a lot of times in a strategy discussion about what should the company's strategy be, people will want to talk about, well, we, should, we have to do this. We have to fix this. If we don't fix this, we got, we got nothing. And so you can let them, all right, let's list all that. Let's list all the problems we need to solve. But a strategy isn't a set of solved problems. A strategy is a strategy. And so once you let them, let's get all that down. Let's put all that here on a paper. Here's the 11 things we listed that we want to do. All right, we'll put all that to the side. Problems we need to solve, things we want to do. Now let's think about what's something that we know that somebody else doesn't know about our business or what's something that is a puzzle that we've been stumped on for years, but if we could solve it, would be an advantage. And so once we make the switch to stuff like that, and it's just, it's just prompting people to change their focus. Sometimes you have to let them get the shorter term stuff out and on the table. I think you almost always do. Like it's just, it's so pent up. It's so top of the mind. You have to give them a chance to just get it out. Yeah. Yeah. That a lot of times in talking about strategy, we're talking five years out, but you're going to be messing with this for 10. Like you said. Well, and also like, I think it's very helpful too (laughs) that, you know, once you actually have a longer term strategy, you can then circle back and help them see how some of these problems you know, will likely be resolved on this path. Yes. Or how the strategy will be constrained if we don't solve some of these things. Yes. And so it could be either, yeah. either side of that. Uh, and so, yeah, that's the short answer to uh, how do you help people? You know, it's back to in this topic of organizational change that we're talking about. You have to be managing the day-to-day and the longer term. So we have to be changing the right things for two years out, three years out, et cetera. That's what I'm considering longer term right now in terms of addressing it 
by looking at years. But you also have to, if you're going to change an organization, demonstrate that life is getting better for the people on the ground, frontline employees, the customers we serve, whatever, almost immediately. Those sometimes are called quick wins, right? And so you have to have both of these. What, in order to be successful at organizational change, you have to actually have the right big, you have to be gambling in the right big direction, multi-year, that this is going to work one year, two year, four year, whatever. And tomorrow, next week, we have to feel like we're actually making improvements with how our people experience the change, with how our customers, so that both the short-term and the long-term have a, uh, a certain back and forth to them to keep people engaged in the process. It's humbling to try to change an organization because no matter what you think you know or what methodology you're following that seems to have all the answers, it's trash can out there. <laughs> and it's just not going to be clean. And helping people have an appreciation for timing and allies and having the right issues that you're championing is important. You also have to understand the moment. And when it's time, push those ideas because in a way it is special or sacred when things line up. That's what I feel like whenever we get hired for organizational change is that something's happened at this moment and they're willing to actually pay somebody to reach in and find two fistfuls of diapers to hold up and say, these are what we need to solve. And typically the way that we do it is that we don't go in and tell them what the problems are. We go in and ask them, where are the diapers in this trash can that we should be holding up? Sometimes we use your statistical data gathering techniques to do that. Sometimes it's a blend of that and interviews. But and sometimes other data sources as well, you know, like, sure, yeah, you know, you can use like even where the turnover is coming from, and that may yeah lead you to some yeah. solutions, yeah, yeah, it may be a trash can out there, but people aren't stupid. I mean, we keep I like Dilbert, I think he's funny, the comic strip, but you know, we've been at this. 20 years now and I never see clue I never see dumb clueless out of touch people no no they're very thoughtful people at the tops yeah. of organizations it's Anywhere. just that everywhere yeah. they're constrained yeah. and they're trying to figure out how to do 
it's like the garbage can says yeah. they're trying to figure out how to do everything. Yeah. Not just even at the top, I would say. I agree with you. But all the way down. Not all. I mean, look, there are some exceptions depending on your organization and what entry level means to you. There are people that may just be rotating through and, you know, this is a good job for them for the moment. But people who people who stay for months or years, usually they know this is what the company is. This is what it says it is. This is what it actually is. The gap between uh, aspirations and reality. And here's the problems. People usually have a pretty keen sense of what the problems are in a company. And so those are the, the diapers in the trash can are pretty easy to find. How we order them by priority is a little bit harder. And then the actual strategy of how do we make sure that our trash can is positioned to be the best trash can on the street for the next three or four years is possibly the hardest of all. Because as you pointed out, you keep kind of pushing further and further out into the unknown. I know what the problems are. People in the company know what the problems are. Which ones we should tackle first, that's a little harder. And then how to best position the trash can for the next three or four years, harder still. But that's basically the nature of organizational change. We have to solve this problem, X or Y, X and Y or some combination, whatever. And we're doing this because that's going to help position us for what we think is our best gamble on the future. What are your takeaways from trash can model that you want to summarize? Don't be personal. Don't take it personal. It's a trash can out there. Be the champion. And if your advocacy doesn't work, don't lose hope. The trash can has a way of coming around again. Mm. Yeah, I think it's an important lesson that this idea that you sort of plant the seed, you know, that make, make the people above you that you're aware. You may even try to run it up for a little bit. Like I said, you know, build some support for your idea. But don't be surprised if there are periods of time where you're buckling down and doing something else and then you may circle back because it may seem like it's time again and you're just you're looking for your moment and that nothing actually happens all that fast in an organization <laughs> until it does until it does right yeah and then it will ha it's it's just like the bankruptcy and then it will happen and you'll be like wow that was fast why couldn't that have been three years ago when i mentioned yeah. this well it wasn't its time yeah it needed to grow some roots and yeah. have some sunlight. Yeah, how true. How true. All right, what else do you want to tell them? I think that's it for me. I think we covered. All it. right. That's Trash Can all the way from 1972. It's still around. And still, still relevant. Still applicable. Yeah. And, uh, and hopefully, uh, hopefully you liked it the first time you heard it, unlike me. I loved it. I'd say the three best things to come out of the 70s were... Uh, yeah, he's a 70s baby. That's yeah, love here. it. Disco. Uh, yeah, you like the Bee Gees. Trash can model. And good old Cindy. <laughs> well, 
I'm with you on the trash can model now. I just came late, and yep. I've been Good. a fan of you since the beginning. Now, some of the clothing in the 70s. Yeah. We should be glad <laughs> we left behind. <laughs> yeah. All righty. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you the next time. All right. On the old management muse. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to learn more about the topic, check out our show notes. And if you want to help us out, like, share, subscribe, and five stars are all deeply appreciated. See you next time on The Management Muse.